0: and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. So if you've got your Bible with us, let's make our confession today as we can go before the Lord. Everybody say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have, and I can do what it says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God. I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same. I'm about to receive the indestructible, the incorruptible, the ever-living seed, the Word of God, and I'll never be the same. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, shout hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Amen. Amen. Open the scriptures with me this morning as we begin to look in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11 is where we're going to be at this morning. And I hope you're ready to receive something. Turn with me in the Bible when we go there. See it for yourself. Check me out. Make sure that what I say is in Scripture and what I uh, teach to you today is coming straight from the mouth of the Lord. Not my mouth, but His mouth. And the best way to do that is check me out in the Scripture. And as you realize it's God's Word, not mine, as you realize that, then it has great power in your life. And it will change you. There's nothing like getting to go to uh, some conventions and that kind of thing, and we don't have quite as many as those we used to have, but uh, you know, years ago, there were conventions throughout America, and you could go and you could just stay the whole week and just get saturated in the Word of God, or stay for a Saturday, I love the Saturday meetings, where you could stay five, six, seven, eight hours and just be filled with the Word of God. It changes you. It literally changes you. When your mind is renewed by the Word of God, it makes a change on the inside. And that's when we sing that song. There's something on the inside that's making a change on the outside of my life. You want the outside to change. Sometimes we talk about it in life. I understand people's well-meanings when they say this kind of stuff. You know, I have a New Year's resolution. Something I'm going to do different. Or I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I understand the well-meaningness of that, but I know the real power of change, and that's when you change the inside. You get the inside change, it'll work its way, and it'll find its way out of you. It will get that inside change, and that's what the Word of God does. Let it it seek deep into your heart and deep into your life this morning as we look together. Okay, we're going to be looking at Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, here in just a few moments. Let me get right here where I'm supposed to be. Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about an understanding of what I'm going to call staying free. Now, no doubt many of us have been at places before God, and I'm guessing in this house this morning, maybe all of us have been at places before God where we said, God, we are sinful. We we have missed the mark. We are wrong. And we come to God and we ask God for forgiveness of sin. And we felt so good. We felt fresh. We felt clean. We felt renewed. We just had newness of life in our heart and spirit. But then somehow after that, the, the world sort of creaked up on us a little bit, and our minds sort of went a different direction, and our life got busy, and we just sort of, you know, moved into an air of our life and found out we got entangled in the yoke of bondage, as Paul talked about, uh, again. And there it was, and we just, you know, were pressed down again. And you know what, to, to a small degree, uh, that happens sometimes uh, here at church, uh, to where, for example, uh, I'm hoping that you're worshiping and praying and seeking the Lord every single day of your life. But if you're not, then when you come in, we got to tune you up quite a bit, and we got to work with you a little bit, and get you moving, get you broke loose, and get some liberty going. I have some evangelist friends who say that to me is this, they always take the offering at the end of the service and they say the reason they do it at the end of the service because then they got everybody loosed up and freed up and that kind of stuff and they're ready to give and you know maybe there's some truth to that in our in our stewardship and our giving and our generosity but there's certainly some truth to that as well in the realm of the spirit we got to sort of get free and it's something that's holding us down and binding us got some bondage on us if you wake up in the morning and, and you're just not you know happy and you got the, the mully grubs you ever had the mully grubs when you woke up and you got up in the morning and you just felt down you got to do some things to stir yourself all I got to is look in the mirror and I get stirred. But anyway, we do some things to stir ourselves every single day of our life and just keep the joy of the Lord because the joy of the Lord is our strength, Amen? amen? And if you want joy, you must... All kind of things. You can clap for it. Everybody go. Let's try it. If you want joy, you must clap for it. Two times. One more time. If you want joy, you must clap for it. If you want joy, you must clap for it. If you want joy, you must clap for it. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Right. Now, just that little bit of experience right there got you moving a little bit, got you smiling a little bit, and there's a change suddenly that just began taking place in your heart, your life, and spirit. the word of God is a lot greater than me giving a little cheer like I just did then. It really makes a change when it gets on the inside. It'll set you on fire. It'll get you to where you think, oh my, I can run through a troop and jump over a wall. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's my rock and my shield. He gives power to all. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I am free from condemnation. Jesus is the rock of my salvation. I can run through a troop and leap over world wall hallelujah hallelujah amen you sort of feel that way we did not come to hear you sing pastor we want to hear you preach but anyway i maybe so I'm, I'm trying to volunteer my different things i've been volunteering miss beverly for the praise group you know for our dance team for a long time you know the dance team and she always tells me to come and i show up for practice but somehow there's nobody there i didn't know they had practice at four o'clock in the morning but anyway it's when she that's, that's, it's when she tells me to come but Anyway, all right, we're going to get into the Word of God. Amen. We, We go through that struggle of roller coaster, up and down, in and out, happy one day, mad the next, excited one day, just depressed the next. And, you know, that ought not to be the life of the child of God. But it will be unless we do something concrete to make a difference in our life. And so, I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning as we get started. Look at Luke's Gospel, chapter 11, and verse 24. Jesus said this, When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, how many knows you a spirit? Okay? In your soulish body that you have, you are a spirit. And there are some folks that get more than one spirit in the same body. Put up a no vacancy sign, okay? Don't don't let him those bad spirits in. Now, we want the Holy Spirit to fill us and consume us, but we don't want any other spirit in our life other than me and the Holy Spirit, you and the Holy Spirit. We don't want any other spirit in our life. But but they are capable of doing that. And when they do that, you take on whatever spirit it is that they bring to your life, whatever it might would be. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walks through dry places and he seeks rest and he finds none. Remember we talked last week about Satan, when he come before Job, and God said, where you been? He said, I've been roaming to and fro across the earth, looking through these dry places. Don't get dry in your spiritual experience, amen? (laughs) Don't get dry. But he goes through dry places, he can rest, and he finds none, and he says, spirits can talk, okay? He says, I will return to the house whence I came out. In other words, here's an individual, a human being, who has, is devil-possessed, the spirit is inside them, the spirit is cast out. The spirit walks around looking for someone else. He wants a home. He wants a dwelling. He wants a place to live. He finds none. And so he comes back to the house. His idea is, I'm going back in the house that I just got cast out of. You ever tried to kick a cat out of the house? With the door open. You throw him out. Ooh, he's back in. You throw him out. And he's running back in again. Say, Stay out, cat. you got know, the door like that. Trying to get that cat out. Well, you know them devils is a lot worse than a cat. I mean, they want to get back in. Let me tell you something. The bondage that you've been freed of is waiting to to enslave you and captivate you one more time. The deliverance that you received in your life, the devil hasn't given up on you yet. And he's waiting to come back. And Jesus said he'll definitely look for another place if he don't find any. He's coming back to you. Working his way back to you. All right. Verse 25. And when he comes, he finds it swept and garnished. Now, I want you to see, see something, okay? He finds it swept and garnished. Sometimes I think we live in a Christian church of swept and garnished. In other words, people walked the aisle, they said yes to Jesus. They they said they were born again. They expressed faith in Christ. But nothing else happened after that with their spiritual life. They they were swept up, cleaned up. Problem is they swept up, they cleaned up, and they still empty. It's not enough to get the devil out. You've got to get the Spirit of God in It's not enough to get the word of this world out of your mind. you got to get the word of God in your mind. See? And so he said here, he said, I'll I'll do this. I'll come back, and if I come back and find it swept and garnished, here's what the Spirit says in verse 26. Then he goes, and he takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. Now listen to this. For every battle you face again and again and again, it gets harder every time. You remember that song, the harder I try, the behinder I get. And, and, and it's like that. You know, for every time you face a battle and you win it. We're we not saying you didn't, you win it. But then you lose it and the devil comes back. He's coming back with seven times the strength he had before he came out. So every, this up and down relationship that we have, God, can be very, very damaging to us and destructive to us. Because each time it's more difficult. Each time it's harder. Each time there's more forces that's going to be against you and have aligned themselves against you than there was the last time. So if that's the case, what I need to do is get clean and stay clean. Get free and stay free. Get the victory and keep on walking in the victory. And so don't don't ever let your guard down against the devil. Remember, he walks about as a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. Don't ever let your guard down against him because he's there. Don't let that, you know, for one moment of your life, don't let the guard down. Stay strong. Stay strong. Be bold. Be courageous. Now notice what it says in verse 26. He goes in. He takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. They enter in and dwell there. They, they just didn't enter. They enter in and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. And how much worse? It's seven times worse. It's more tough. It's more difficult. And greater devils. More is going on. More wickedness. More evil. Once you start down, it's like a snowball going down a hill. Once you start down, it it don't get easier, it it gets harder. I mean, that snowball is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. When you get into sin, you say, I'm just going to try this little sin. Hey, you try the little sin, when you get that one down pat, you will, it won't take long. Then there's a bigger sin after that coming after that. And a bigger sin after that and a bigger sin after that. And it begins to escalate. And what happens is Jesus is saying this, here's the problem. He came back and he found you empty, swept, and garnished. And so that's why we don't just, uh, I've heard people talk sometimes and and say this, and evangelists will say sometimes, well, it's my job to get them saved. That's that's it. That's their done deal. Well, no, you need to get discipled. You need to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, It's not just enough. I mean, you wouldn't say this. I mean, AJ and Laura, I think they're still just, planning on having a baby okay so they're still planning on having a, a baby and, and what if they went to the hospital to have that baby and you know they have that baby and wow and laura says wow that's relief okay now just leave leave the baby there no you don't do that you, you you pick up the baby and you you take it home and you start doing whatever you got to do with babies and whatever they do all that kind of stuff right you can't just leave it there same way with your spiritual life. You don't just say, I mean, yeah, we come down now just as we are. Uh, th- that's okay. You can't change yourself. You come and give yourself just like you are to God. But you don't stay just as you am. We come just as I am. We don't stay that way. No, we're going to grow. We're going to increase. We're going to ex- have exceedingly growing faith. Amen. And we're going to move on further and further and further with God. And so then, notice that. Notice what, what he's saying. There's a danger of these spirits coming back into this house. It's only been empty swept in garments. There's danger. That's what the Spirit's doing. He, he's out there. He's got plans for you. Think about it. The devil has a plan. The Bible says that in the book of Timothy where the devil has a plan, devise a scheme to take you captive. He's looking at what will work on you. And what works on you might not work on me. What works on me might not work on you. And he's looking for that path, that open door, that plan, that idea, that thing he can do. That will bring destruction to your life. And, and if he can't get you to uh, in a great way to sin, he'll try to get you in a little way to sin. If he can't get you in a little kind of sense, he'll try to get you mind native, just where you won't accomplish anything, won't do anything, won't won't move about, won't really do anything for the kingdom of God, make you a drag, make you a weight in the king, all this kind of stuff where other people will take up their time with you and all these kind of things that he'll try to do. Anything he can do, he's constantly there. That's what we need to guard against. And that's what the Lord is talking about here when he tells us the, this story. That's why he's reminding us in the story. Now, now turn with me to Galatians chapter one. I'm sorry, Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. So Galatians, right before you hit that group. Galatians chapter five and verse one. Look at what Paul said to us as he's speaking to these Galatians. Remember these Galatians? He said this to them earlier. He said, Somebody's bewitched you guys. You've been listening to the devil. The devil's got a hold of some of your minds. I mean, who hath bewitched you, he said. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, he talks this way. He says, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. When you are set free by God and you granted liberty, do not be enslaved again. Don't be brought into bondage again by anything. Now, don't have change reasserted in your life. It said, therefore, in liberty, wherewith Christ has made us free. I've been made free, and who the Son sets free is free indeed. Amen? Somebody say, I've been made free. Amen. Say you can say, I am free. I am. Say this. Say, self, you, are free. you are, free. are free. We are free. I've been made free by the blood of Jesus Christ, Amen. overcomers in this life. And be not entangled again. See that? Don't be entangled again. Uh, we have this thing. You I, I, I live in the country, you know. Uh, I bought this older truck that I have to sort of load up with trash and different things that kind of stuff, and we go to the dump and dump stuff like that. And I saw at the uh, gate this week they said, "Oh, no more uh, riding to the thing has sign there." So you got to have your load covered on the back, cause you know you look at you ever saw the roads that go to the dump? There's trash all over the place in there. So anyway, he said he said you got to have your uh, load covered. So I understand that, and so i I've, I've got this cover for it. And what it is, it's a net. And I went and bought this net for the truck. It's the right size, everything. And you can just pull it over there. And wow, when you put the net on it, it covers everything. It is great until you take the net off. And then the net gets all, what? Tangled up, don't it? And then what you do is, oh, I don't want to use it this the time because that thing's all tangled up again. And the net becomes no use to me anymore. Even though it costs about $30 for that net and it's still perfectly good shape, still in the, you know, the package that it came in, it's no use to me anymore because it's entangled up. We're not to have to straighten it out every time. Now, what Paul said here is this, is don't you keep getting entangled, don't get, get messed up again with a yoke of bondage. People talk about, well, can I do this, or can I do that, or can I do that? You, you ought not be bound by anything. Not anything. Don't let anything bind you in life. It, it ought to make you angry for something to bind you up. I mean, when the devil comes to you and says, you can't, you won't, I'm not going to let you, I mean, that's the very thing I want to do right there. I mean, don't you've been made free by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so it's it's not right for you to be entangled up again. And Paul says that. He says, here, you better stand fast. In other words, that liberty that you've got, you're going to have to make a stand in it. Make a stand in your Christianity. Make a stand in your faith. Make a stand in the gospel. Make a stand in the word of God. We, we, we sing the song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved, right? There's a lot of truth in those songs if we just practice what we sung. Amen. and say, I'm not going to be moved. No, no. I'm moved only by the word of God and not by what I see, right? Not by what I feel. Either way, moved only by the word of God. Make a stand in your life. This is the way I'm going to live my life. Amen. Somebody says, well, what if opposition comes? Let it come. This is the way we're going to live our lives. What if somebody's offended? They're just offended. This is the way we're going to live our lives. Doesn't matter. This is the way we're going to live. Make a stand in your liberty. If you don't, there's a danger, verse 1, of being entangled again of yoke of bondage. You can get just bound back up as you ever was. I mean, so so make that stand. I'm I'm not giving up my liberty. Not giving up my freedom. And you can see, folks, that uh, it's a simple process in life for this to happen where, where people uh, seem to make a stand for Christianity, but then again, you, you talk to them later on, what happened to you? What happened? You know, what's going on? Well, you know, this, and that, and the other. And they just just in all kind of different directions. And the world took a hold of them again, and they grabbed a hold of them and, and, and bound them once again. And they get bound and don't even know they're bound sometimes, but they're out there. And the, the destruction that the devil wanted to bring to them, he's bringing to their lives. It's a very, very sad thing that that happens. Look at the the scripture says in Galatians 5.1, Christ has set us free to live a free life is what the message Bible says. I am free to live free. I got my freedom. How about you? I don't want to be entangled again. We've got our freedom. We've been made free so that we can live free. So practice out your freedom that Christ has made available to you. All right, look with me to Psalm chapter 51. I want to cover this just as a sort of a foundational note as we head that direction. Uh, what happens then? Because this is the first question you get me. What, what happens if I, if I do sin? What happens if I miss the mark? And the thing is this, I don't know anybody that has never uh, missed the mark. I I don't. I don't. I don't know anybody that I told someone the other day. They were talking about the election and voting for people, and I said I always vote for the lesser of two evils. I said the only person that was perfect, you know, was Jesus Christ, and he ain't on the ticket, right? So I always got to make a choice and some kind of decision. But anyway, Psalm chapter fifty-one, verse fifteen, talks about what you and I do when we sin and what happens when we've missed the mark, when we've done the wrong, when we've got off into the ditch, as Brother Hagin used to say. In Psalm 51 verse 15, O Lord, open you my lips, and my mouth shall show forth praise unto you. For you desire not sacrifice. It's not really that that I come here and uh, I make a sacrifice of a burnt offering or, or some kind of an animal or some kind of meal or grain offering. It's it's not really that burnt offering sacrifice. He said, "Would I give it? You delight not in burnt offerings. It, it, it's not the ceremonial things that we do, although we do them. We're going to have a ceremony. We we had a ceremony this morning where you see communion." And if you just received that this morning uh, as communion, just you know, just a cup of juice and a cracker we ate at church today, then it wasn't no more to you than anything else. You know. But if you received it in faith in Christ and looking back and what Jesus had done for you at the cross and recognized that the sacrifice that He made for us and you were honoring Him, then it was a great value to you. And so God's saying here that those burnt offerings, everything that you did, all those kind of—that's that, really not what I'm wanting. He says this verse seventeen: the sacrifices of God. Are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise them. In other words, let let me read the Amplified Bible. Verse 17 says, My sacrifice, the sacrifice acceptable to God, is a broken spirit, a broken, contrite heart, broken down with sorrow for sin, and humbly, thoroughly, penitent. Such, O God, you will not despise. In other words, when we sin, it's not like we say, Oh, I missed the mark again. No, it ought to tear your heart out Amen. when you sin. It, it ought to cause you to be broken on the inside. You've done the wrong. Oh, God, man, I, Lord, I did it again. God. I mean, you, you ought to be in a place to where you, you need to run, and not necessarily this altar, this is fine, but you need to run to your altar of prayer before God. Don't run from Him. Run toward Him. Amen. And He said, come to Him hith, with brokenness well we know that the bible jesus said that him that comes me out i will know why cast out we know that we know the bible says we confess our sins he faithful and just forgive us our sins and cleanse. we know those things as factual legal statements of document that christ has given we understand that but even understanding i don't come and say well god you got to forgive me because you said you would no we don't come with that kind of attitude we come before god i'm sorry i did the wrong i've come to god before and, and, and when i have missed the mark i say, god i don't know why you put up with me you ever felt that way about you? Some other people have, but anyway, you might as well too, anyway. Then, God, I don't know why you put up with me. I mean, I said, I wouldn't. But God does put up with us. He does put up with us. But he wants to come to him humbly. Now, we don't stay broken once we're broken. We don't, we don't stay that way. But when we are sinful, it needs to bring repentance to us. It needs to be, bring godly change to our life. It needs to bring a godly sorrow. Paul said that. He said that, that this kind of repentance, the gospel here, it, it is a godly sorrow. It's the right kind of sorrow to have, to be sorrowful for our sins. And that's what we do when we, come, when we miss the mark. And he says God will not despise that. He won't cast you away. You come to the Lord and you say you're sorry for your sin. Let me tell you so. I, I, we can teach all day long on three points of forgiveness, five points of forgiveness, what First John 1 and 9 said, all those kind of things. But you know what? You come to God, sorry for your sin, he's going to forgive you. It, it's just like little children. You have a little children, they something wrong. All oh, they did the wrong, they might you know, face up to the music, so to speak. But a little child comes to you, a little tear in his eye. You know something's going on, that little heart's broken. Oh my, you're ready to, ready to forgive and love on that child, aren't you? You are. You see that uh, spirit. But when you see that child stomp his feet like that, like AJ did one time, stomp his feet like that. <laughs> I'm picking on him. Long time ago, long time ago. <laughs> But when you I like, get no, 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 that makes you want to give that punishment, you know, all that kind of stuff. But no, 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 no. When you, when you see that brokenness of heart and brokenness of spirit, when you see that, you ready to just take them in your arms and say, I forgive. Amen. Well, God wants to see that in your heart and life. Amen. He wants to see that in your heart and life. Now, you don't want to see you broken where you stay broken all the time, you feel bad about yourself all the time, and you're just, you know, just depressed all the time. And we have to, you know, send you away for counseling and maybe send you away somewhere where they can protect you and all this kind of, and you're going to go kill yourself. No, none of that, none of that. None of that at all. But the brokenness and the sorrow for sin, I've done wrong, with Mr. Mark, I've disappointed the, the Lord God Almighty, and I'm very, very sorry. I, I shouldn't have done it, and I did, and the Lord against you and you only have I sinned, is what David said. And you feel that same way. And you want forgiveness from him. And it feels good when you come to him that kind of way, and then receive forgiveness of sin, being washed and purged and cleansed from all of your sin. Look what he says, as he goes on, verse 1 of chapter 51. Back up. Chapter 1, verse 15. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. He doesn't have mercy on you according to you. It's according to his loving kindness, according unto the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Blot them out, do away with them. Don't want to see them anymore. Blot them out, Almighty God. Have mercy on me, O Lord. Forgive me. Verse 2, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Through and through, wash me. Purge me, clean my mind, my soul, my spirit, my thinking. Just do a work in me, Almighty God, from iniquity and cleanse me from my sins. I want to be clean from all of my sins, O God. God, do a work in me. God, do a work in me. Bow your heads before the Lord as we go before him just now. Just lift your hand toward the Lord with me. Nobody's really looking around, just you and God. Let's pray this prayer. I want you to pray it with me. Because I pray this prayer, and I want you to pray it too. Say, Father God, I come before you. I stand before you now, just like I am. Not pretending, not living a lie. I am who I am. And Lord God, you knew that already. And so God, I ask you, forgive me, cleanse me of all sin. Anything in my life that's been building or growing or moving toward rebellion, forgive me, oh God. I am so sorry when I have disappointed you. I am so sorry when I've done what you told me not to do. God, please forgive me. Wash my mind, my heart, and my spirit. Lord God, may your grace of forgiveness be upon my life now. I receive it now, and I recognize the blood of Jesus Christ washes away all of my sins, and now I stand before you, Lord, holy, clean, pure. I am right with you, almighty God. And I am so happy, and I thank you so much. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Being honest with God, being real with God, talking with him, seeking the Father's love, the Father's forgiveness. He says that he won't turn us away when we come that way. Okay, now, let's move on to a little bit different direction. Let me show you something else. Look with me, if I can get my little screen go over here. Look with me to... Oh. First Peter, let's go to First Peter. Now, what happens is this: We pray that kind of prayer for freedom from our sins and cleansing, and we really mean it, and, and we do. But you know, you do every, we're in a place now, this is a sanctuary. It's a place that's been uh, commanded of God to be built. It's a place that we built at his instruction. It is a place that has been prayed over. It's a place that we believe God for the Holy Ghost to, to protect and keep this in this house that we are in. It's a place where the devil has been bound. It's a place of freedom. It's a place of liberty. It's that. But when we leave this building... And all of us make it collectively, that in our own hearts. I mean, you don't have to leave this building. You don't leave the church. Just because you leave the building. Go, church is in you. But when you leave this building, you get on the outside, and there are all kind of world happening around you. And there's all kind of fear that's out there, and lust that is out there, and sin that is out there. There's all kind of things out there that's going to be pulling at you, grabbing at you. And anything that you make a commitment before God on, you can just know that the devil's going to test you on that thing. And he's just going to see how real you think you are. Just what it is you think you are made of and going to try to come against you when you've made a commitment to the Lord. Well, there are some things that you can do and be on the watch for as you really seek to live before God. Clean, holy, sanctified, and pure. You know what the word sanctified means? I know uh, friends of mine in the Assemblies of God and friends of mine in the Church of God, they, they had this, uh, you know, debate. Uh, the Church of God said, well, bless God, we get sanctified. And it's a one-time experience that happens to us. Well, the folks in the Assemblies of God said, no, we don't get one-time experiences. It's a progressive experience that happens on and on and on. And I come to the, the conclusion that you, that you have both. And I think it happens when you get born again, that God cleanses you, makes you holy, sanctifies you holy and clean, and you just keep on living holy and clean. And if you run into sin and run into an effort out there, yeah, it's progressive then because you overcome that in the blood of Christ Jesus. And you keep on walking that way. But children of God, let me tell you something. We are destined by God to live free from sin. We are destined of God to live free from sin. The blood of Jesus doesn't stop on an hourly basis in your life. It doesn't stop on a daily basis in your life. You you are destined to live a life without and free from sin. You don't have to be on that roller coaster ride of sinfulness up one day and down the next, in and out of sin. You don't have to be that way. Now, you know, I have some friends that, that taught me. I, I have one fellow that I know that writes to me and talks to me different things. We've got different people that connect with us. And this person is talking about being perfect and that kind of stuff. And uh, him and one other person is the only person saved in all of the United States of America. But... Uh, because he he just says he hasn't sinned one single time since he was saved and he was washed and cleaned of the blood because the seed of God remains in him and as long as it doesn't, he don't sin. And he hasn't sinned one single time, not once. Well, I'm not teaching that you sin every day. I'm really not. I'm not teaching you sin every week, every month, every year. I'm really not. But I do know this, as a faithful follower of Jesus, doing my best to follow him in my life, sometimes I've missed it sometimes I've sinned. I have I have I'm ashamed to say that but but I have is anybody else miss it too I mean maybe you know maybe maybe we have but you but you know the thing is this I know this my goal is to walk this life as Christ said be therefore perfect as your father in heaven is perfect my goal is to walk this place at a standard that is far above all of this world and all sin and everything's going on now I do that two ways I I do that because God has decreed me righteous legally he has, but he's also called me to be holy. And what is holiness? Holiness is walking out your righteousness. Righteousness is what happens when the blood of Jesus is applied to your life. Being holy is when you practice the righteousness and you walk in a holy life. And God's children are called to be saints. Everybody say, I'm a saint. I'm a saint of God. If you don't believe it, look at the Bible. Paul says, To the saints at Corinth, to the saints over here, to the saints over there, to the saints. Well, don't look at this. Well, he wasn't right to me. No, he's right to you. We're saints. We're we're saints. What are saints? Sanctified. People are separated, called into God's purposes. Our lives are separated unto him. And we need to walk that life. When we walk that life uh, uh, of freedom before Christ free from our sins and not under the bondage that the devil brings against us, all kind of things work out for your good. All kind of things go right in your life. Good things happen for you. Good things happen all right look in first Peter chapter 1 let me show you one of the first things AJ read it this morning I believe one of the things you do is keep the devil off your back and out of your heart and life and spirit mind everything else is this wherefore gird up the loins of your mind be sober hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ we're living unto the rapture of the church or the revelation of Jesus Christ when Jesus shall appear. That, that's the moment that we're looking forward to, the rapture of the church. We're looking forward to that time. If, if we don't see it, uh, then we'll be caught up with him and, and the Lord in the clouds and, and the sky in that rapture. And if not, uh, during that time and we die, then we'll go to be with the Lord. And, but, but that's what we live our lives for, that the Lord could return. He could return any moment, any time. We believe in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ. This day he could return, this hour he could return, anytime he may come. Well, on this journey of expecting and looking for him uh, to return and come, what do we do? We gird up the loins of our mind. We we put a rope around our mind. We tie it up. We take control and we take charge over our mind or our thoughts. We are sober about it. We don't get, you know, out of control. You ever seen somebody wasn't sober and they were drunk? They just out of control any kind of stuff no we become sober until the end the grace is going to be brought to us and this we're, we're living in that so i'm i'm binding up my mind and so in other words i have gates on my mind i have gates in my head in my mind all kind of things are right, are, are making this play for my mind just like they are you and this world is constantly want to talk to you and if they're going to get you to do anything they're going to get through that gate of that mind Because that mind is going to feed down into my soul, into my spirit. It it is one of the avenues. I I have an avenue of eyes here, of ears, of smell, of taste, touch. All these five senses we have, they filtrate through that mind. That mind processes them, drops them into my spirit, into my soul, those kind of things. So I had to be very careful what I let my mind look on, dwell on, think about, meditate on. And Paul said this, gird it up, keep, keep hold of it. Don't let that mind get where it doesn't need to be. Because that mind's going to take you wherever you let it go. You are hooked to your mind. And when your mind goes that direction, you are following it. You are going with it. I never go or do anything unless my mind tells me to do it first. I mean, how many times throughout the years I've talked to people and they say, well, I can't help that I did this. I said, well, really? You can't help it? No. Well, who did it for you then? I mean, yeah, you sit here arguing with husband and wife, you're arguing each other. What, did you get in his body and do it? No. Did you get in her body? No. Didn't it? Well, okay, it wasn't y'all. Hmm. Who did this if it wasn't you? Who is responsible if it's not you? I am responsible, aren't you? Amen. Amen. We are responsible. And for this mind, I, I can tell it what to think and what not to think. Mm-hmm. Amen. It, is, it is not a difficult thing to do recognize there is a process of the mind. You can take your mind and you've been saturating yourself with this subject or this criteria, what has been going on in your life, day after day after day after day. And your mind just thinks it. It walks it, it talks it, it lives it, it expresses it. Your mind is full of that. Whatever that thing might would be, your mind is absolutely full of that. Well, you know what? That's what you're going to talk. That's what you're going to live. that's what you're going to express in your life. You come and you say, I don't like what my mind's full of. I don't like what my mind's full of. So what you have to do is two things. You have to, that mind that's full, you have to expose and let out what's there, but don't leave it empty, swept, and garnished or to come back. you got to put a new thought into it. you got to put a new way of thinking in it. What's the song say? A new attitude inside there got to think differently than what you used to think. Well, how are you going to do that? you got to look at stuff different than what you were looking at. you got to hear stuff different. you got to practice stuff different. You know what? If you, just, you, know, you could come today and that wonderful prayer that we just prayed a few minutes ago and we commend ourselves to the Lord and forgiveness of sin, and you could have done that. But you know, you, you can go out there and get by the same old crowd you've been running with, and that crowd gonna take you right back where it's been going this whole time. Amen. Amen. It's going to happen. Or you, or you can get out and you can, you know, switch on that uh, uh, radio that you got in the vehicle. Or you're going to go home and turn on the satellite TV, whatever it is you got, whatever you're looking at, the internet, and it's going to feed you the same stuff it's always been feeding you. Yeah, yeah. What's going to happen then? You're going to start thinking like you've always been thinking. Yeah. Then what you're going to think? Well, I guess this other stuff don't matter much about God. Because you've done filled yourself with upset. Your, your mind was that gate that let it in. Right. Yeah, yeah. You ought know, to, yeah. to be careful. We to be careful. We cut some TV stuff off. We, we did that several years ago. Remember I told you I tried to cut it off using this little box called Cuss TV? Because, you know, there were some movies out there, and, and I didn't know some things. Don't, don't go by movies I've ever told you I've watched. Because the movies I've told you I've watched, I've watched them on television. And Sheila and I, we got some of this Internet stuff, and you've got 10 million movies on there. I said, hey, that's a movie we watched sometimes. That was a good movie. And I played it straight from the movie Thing rather than watching on TV. And the TV had cut a bunch of stuff out, and I didn't know about it. And I said, wow, I never knew that was in that, in that movie. I didn't know that. <laughs> cut that thing off. And that cuss TV thing, you know, that would take out all the cussing. I said, perfectly, they do that. Hellywood does that. That's old time Pentecostal way of saying it. Hellywood. you can have your Hellywood. Go out there with Jezebel and Hellywood. Well, Hollywood's got a plan for you. They got a plan for you for sure. That Cuss TV thing would take out the, the, the cussing. It did. But every time it took out a cussing, I said, something's missing there. What was it? Not i cuss in my mind about what was missing. That's what it was. So we, we shot that Cuss TV thing out. We blowed it up. And then we just blowed up all of charter. We blowed them up good. I cut it down to 5,000 stations to 10. And we get to pick those, and we about ready done with them. But yeah. well, we did get ten. We got a couple of Christian stations on there, a couple of news channels, and some old time stuff that we like watching. And we love meat See all them old shows on it. But anyway, watch some of the old shows. That kind of stuff. They they're not quite as bad. But but anyway, but well, we ha- we had to do that. We had to cut that stuff out because you know the stuff getting your mind. Uh, it, it's amazing. And this is what's scary. Something you ever seen some of these little children? a little two, two or three-year-old Johnny or Susie, you know, real just sweet little thing. And all of a sudden, the biggest cuss word come out of their mouth you ever heard. I said, where'd they get that from? They're watching that TV is what they're doing. Well, they ain't supposed to watch that because they're not supposed to watch that show. When Mom and Daddy watches it, we're supposed to watch it without the kids around. Let me tell you I learned a long time ago, if kids don't need to watch it, I don't either. Amen. Amen. I like kid TV. Hey, man, that don't matter if that dinosaur is purple. I like kid TV, don't you? <laughs> Guard your mind. What you put in is what you're going to be. Amen. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, "Whatsoever man thinks that he becomes, so is he. As a man thinketh, so is he. James Allen wrote a whole book about that. As a man thinks, so is he. Daniel Webster said, a man is what he thinks about all the day long. And so whatever I fill my mind with, I become. I am. That's what you, want. you know what your character is? Look at what you watch, what you like, what you enjoy, what you listen to. That's your character. That's who you are. You become what you think about. So you have to guard your mind. Let me show you a way to do that. Look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. Proverbs 16, chapter 3. I'm sorry, Pro- chapter 16, verse 3. Proverbs 16, verse 3. Commit your works unto the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. Commit your works unto the Lord and your thoughts to be established. You want to get your thoughts right? Do something about your works or your deeds or what you are doing. Remember that old adage we have in society? What is it? Idleness is the devil's workshop. Right? Idleness is the devil's workshop. Doing nothing gives place to the devil. But, notice, commit your works. Do something. When you do something, an activity in your life, then it establishes your thoughts. In other words, your thoughts are going to follow those actions. Remember that great counseling verse that you're singing in the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 4. Great, wonderful man of God uh, taught me this many, many years ago. Great, wonderful uh, Presbyterian man. And uh, in Genesis chapter 4, when Cain and Abel were having their problems... God said to Cain that your problem is this. You look depressed and discouraged. And he said, don't you know that if you make the right sacrifice, you will be accepted? Now, if you do, like Abel did, do the right thing, if you do the right thing, you'll be accepted. And from that, we get that principle that feelings follow my doings. Attitude follows what I do. Therefore, if I do the right thing, I will begin to feel right about the right thing that I do. Okay? I mean, that is the key. How many people say, I'll do it when I feel like it? That's the opposite. That's the opposite. If you begin to do something, notice, commit your works, the things you do, unto the Lord, and then it establishes your thoughts. My thoughts follow my works. And so if I see my thoughts going in the wrong direction where I'm guarding my mind, then I'm going to change what I'm doing. And as I change what I'm doing, my thoughts will follow it. Think about it. You've been on that internet (laughs) doing what you ought not have been doing. Or bring bondage in your life. If you will flip that thing off or to another direction, it'll change what you think about It'll change your thoughts. And you change your thoughts, you will change your life. See? There's certain things like that. If you are having issues in your marriage and you don't feel as close as you would like to feel. Or, put it this way, you don't feel as close and you're glad you don't feel as close. Then you've got problems. (laughs) Right? If you start doing the things that people in love do, you'll start feeling in love. You will. If you will start in that relationship acting the way that you want your life to be, you start doing that, you will start feeling that way. How, 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 do you, how do you nurture love? What do they say? You know, you have this honeymoon period of marriage and that kind of stuff. Oh, it's going to get in the seven-year itch, right? You're going to have this itch. You better not get this itch around people. They'll shoot you. But, you know, seven-year itch. No, no, no. No, no, no. You, you, you can have a, a, you know, what is it, 37-year, whatever long we've been married. I don't know. You, you, you can just have the joy of your life if you, if you do it right. Amen. And if you keep your mind there. And if you practice it with your actions. If I don't, if I don't, we'll go in another direction. It's, it's just that close. All right. Look with me. Let's, let's go a little, bit, uh, a little bit more. One more that I want to look at at least. Look at Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11. 2 Thessalonians chapter two verse eleven. 2 Thessalonians two eleven. Let me make sure I get there. 2 Thessalonians chapter two verse eleven. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion. This verse is a most relevant verse for the day and age we live in. Shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. You ever talk to people that they're just crazy? But man, they really believe it. They believe it like you wouldn't believe they believe it. You don't understand how they believe it that strongly. But they should believe a lie. And there's what happens in believing this lie. That they all might be damned. Who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. When we walk out a life of unrighteousness, and we continually reject the truth and believe the lie. Strong delusion comes on us. Strong delusion. Just, just can't. You ever talk, if I've talked to them blue in the face. You ever talk to somebody to, you all I oh, know to talk, don't have anything else to say. You haven't said everything there is to say. And yet this person is still locked in, in their mind. They have a strong delusion. And there are people just go really wild with this stuff, think all kind of crazy things. I mean, I've encountered uh, several people uh, individually that had this strong delusion uh, and think things that, you you know, you had no idea that they were thinking or could not conceive of how they thought it, yet they did. But now in America, there's a lot of people with strong delusion. Crowds of folks with strong delusion. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, it's a terrible thing going on. But notice that believe a lie and they are, are damned. Now, let me, look with me at First Corinthians. Let me just mention this to you because this sort of came up in a conversation I had with someone this week. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and uh, uh, look at verse 9. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? That's a strong delusion right there. Everybody, you know, how many people even believe in hell anymore? And and if they did, well, I'm all right. I'm all right. But do you not know the unrighteous does not inherit the kingdom of God? A lot of people have a strong delusion against that statement. Do not be deceived. There's that deception of mine. Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators... Nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals. Read the New King James Version. Nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Ain't nobody in verse 9 or 10... When the raptor train comes by, ain't nobody in verse nine ten getting on that train. They're saying goodbye. Yeah, it's a love train. they They saying goodbye to it too. They ain't going to be doing no shuffle either. But they, they're saying goodbye. They're saying goodbye. It's gone. It's gone. All you need is faith, what the song says, right? I heard just this week. All you need is faith. Faith is a key. Jesus Christ is the one that shed his blood. But you know what? The thing is, when we look at this and we see that... These are the sinful things. Now, somebody got a strong delusion. They don't believe it. I'm okay. You're okay. We're all okay. It's, it's, we're just all okay. I, and we can, we can be any one of these sinful people and that kind of stuff. Now then, question becomes this. Has anybody ever been those sinful? Well, yes. That are no longer those simple Yes. Because what does he go on as he says? He says in, in verse, um, verse 11, and such were. Somebody tell me. Is were present tense or is that past tense? Not saying you still are. Such were, I mean, look at the words here. Such were some of you, but you were washed. You were, and you were sanctified, set apart for his use. But you were justified. Three times in the past tense. In the name of the Lord Jesus, by the Spirit of our God. In other words, the fact that you see in verse 11 three words there means that all those things that said we was, we ain't no more. Amen. To qualify the were, you can't still be what you was. Okay? It's almost like a Fred Price way of talking about it. But to qualify the were, you can't be what you was. And how do you get out of what you was? Of course, through the blood of Christ Jesus and through the Spirit of God, as he talks about here. But, but to think that we're okay and we're right with God, and, and there are a whole... Groups of people and denominations and churches and organizations that, that are looking at and clearly, as it's stated there, as clearly as it says right there, who would defile that and go against that and don't care anymore. And have re, I, I saw one Bible the other day that was available and, um, and it had this it had nine scriptures that were taken out of it. Nine, and it was all the scriptures they said that dealt with homosexuality until all nine of them out. So that you won't be under condemnation when you read your Bible. Is there therefore no condemnation here in Christ Jesus? That's right. In Christ Jesus there's not. But outside of him, Jesus said, you're already condemned already. I didn't come condemn you, but you're already condemned. Already condemned. And so you've you got to guard your mind and then believe the right thing. See, if you believe in the wrong thing, you'll come back into bondage. If the devil comes at you and says, "This little bit of this is not going to hurt you you got to understand that. Just a little bit won't hurt you. Well, they talk about living free from sin. That's old-fashioned. We, we're beyond that now. Everybody's sin. we're all just a bunch of sinners saved by grace, and we sin every day. That's what they say. That, that, that's, that's what they say. And if you look at it, well, yeah, I was a sinner, and God did save me by his grace, and God does love me. And, all, and if you accept that, then that thing can come in and bring you back into bondage. In your mind, you think you've got to sin all the time. And then what's happened is you, you just let little things happen and little things grow to bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and, bigger and finally, you know, it's, it's too big. It's you need to deal with that thing. You need to deal with that thing in its infancy stage. You need to deal with it while it's still a seed because once it's harvested in your life, it's very tough to root up. And so you still need to deal with it in seed form. Deal with it in seed form. That's why just the, the, the least little thing, whatever it might be that comes against you, deal with it then don't 't let it go don't don't you know the Bible says don't let the, the sun go down upon your wrath, right? Yeah. deal with that thing, get get that thing straight now, make it make it right, believe the right thing and and, and so what we have to do faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of God, we hear what the Word of God said in these instances, and we recognize those are things i 'm going to stay away from and so when the devil in the blue dress comes up to me right <laughs> the devil with the blue dress on comes up to me, I uh-uh, no, uh uh-uh. I 'm going to say get back, get back to where you once belong okay. <laughs> Well, I could go on and on, couldn't I? But anyway, you know that's what you do. get out of here. Get out of here. I don't care if nobody's here seeing sweet thing. I don't want to see sweet thing to you. Get away, get away, get away. Why? Because I've read what the word said. I've read what it said. I don't want to have to face the hardships of a situation like that. So we want to get rid of those things. Well, I hear what the word said. This is how I live. And you know what? We live this way based on what the word says. You might not understand everything about it. I don't. Maybe you understand more than me, and that would be fine. But we don't understand everything about the word. But still, all I got to know is he said, "Don't do it." Don't do it. Amen. He said, "Don't do it." That's all I got to know. I'm thinking about putting a sign up in front of my house on the other side of the road. I, I don't know what it is, but everybody drives down in front of my road. They, they think there's a garbage can on the other side. <laughs> and, and we got this, you know, a lot of this land up here, and so it, it goes. I don't know a quarter mile or whatever it is. But on the other side of it, they, they're just throwing out trash, all, and sometimes on our side. And the more I pick it up. And, and I try to pick it up once a week. And I go out there and pick it up and get rid of it and that kind of stuff. And I got to notice, and the cleaner I kept it, the more they've been jumping the trash right directly in front of my driveway. Amen. Just like so they could say, you see this? And there it is. Or they put it right there. And I thought about getting me a, a sign up there that says, you know, no littering. $1,000 fine. Put it up there. But you know what? Unless they read the sign and believe the sign, they're still going to do the same thing. Right? Guns. And I have to be honest when I was a young kid uh, back in the day, I might have threw out some trash or a bottle a time or two. Did anybody do that besides me? But man, I, mean, I, I Lord, i did have reaped all that. Surely I, I you know, I'd have reaped all that in one day. <laughs> That's what I said to the Lord when I Lord, surely I didn't reap all that. Let, you know, get that you know. But that kind of stuff. But so you gotta pay attention to sign, that won't do any good. Same thing with the word of God. You hear the word of God and you're not paying attention to the word of God and you're not believing the right thing, it won't do any good. You've got to believe what the Word says about you. Amen. Believe what it says. Like, All right, let me go. I'm getting sort of behind myself here. Let me give you one last thing, and we're going to bring it to a close here. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. One of the biggest things we can do, I mean, we know the rules. We've got the rule book in front of us. We know what God has said about how to live but one of the biggest things you do is you have to have the right kind of picture of yourself in your heart and life. Amen. If you see yourself as defeated, you're going to be defeated. Yeah. If you see yourself as a, as a sinner and you just can never walk away from sin, you're going to keep on sinning. You'll keep on doing it. If you see yourself as unhappy, if you see yourself with a bad marriage, if you see yourself financially broke, if you see yourself in all kinds of ways, all those things are just going to stay with you. You have to change the way you see yourself. You have to have another image on the inside of you that that looks differently than maybe the image that you see in the mirror. And you have to have the right kind of image that you can portray yourself as and that you can live up to and let the image of the Lord. And and, and sometimes, you know, you got to just sort of focus on that image and keep that one before you. If you live another way, uh, another lifestyle or another thing—you know—you'll go that direction too. And Dr. Patterson last week, two weeks ago, whenever it was, and Sheila and I went and we did our uh, little uh, whatever it is—a physical we do every year with him. And um, he's a great doctor; we love him. And, um, and there's physical, him saying to me, "You know, you healthy? Everything looks good." And he said, "Just looking at you, if I had to look at you, I'd say you're 45 years old." I said, "Well, that is depressing because I thought I was 18." <laughs> but that's my image of me. Now, he might want to, you know, shatter my image for me. I'm going to cut half his bill. But anyway, he might want to do that. But have an image. Now, if I miss the image, I, I, I would rather shoot for the stars and hit the moon than never get off the ground. Amen. And, and so do I all, and sometimes people talk about that way. Well, you know, we preach a life of living here. Do I always make it? I'd be lying if I said I always made it. But I'm striving to make it. And I make it quite a a few times. I I really do. But I wouldn't make it at all if that wasn't my goal. And you've got to have an image of you, of who you are in Christ Jesus. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us. Somebody say, "I'm I'm blessed. Oh, my, my. If you haven't seen it, there's a little video on YouTube of this little boy. He must be under two years old. Sitting in his little seat in the back of the car seat of the car, and he's singing, I am blessed. Amen. And his little mama's singing it with him. Oh, it is. You'll love it. You'll, you will love it. But anyway, you got to recognize, and that little boy, if he's singing that song right now, and I hope he sings it every day of his life, and just keep on singing, I'm blessed in the Lord. And if that be planted in his little spirit, you know what? That's the time when people really get strong in the faith, and a Christian is really developed, is when we little bit of children. I mean, them little children, no toddlers, no those little ones, just, just get the gospel in them, the goodness of God, the grace of God in them. And they might run, but they can't hide. It's going to be there with them all their life. It's going it's to be there for them. Planted that seed. But notice what he said. Blessed be the God of our Father, of the Lord Jesus Christ, who had blessed us. Everybody say, I am blessed. Say it again. Say, I am blessed. Some people say, I'm blessed, and I'm what? I'm highly. I'm blessed, and I'm highly favored. Well, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. What's blessed mean? It means God done something for you. It means you don't take credit for it. It's not by the works of righteousness, which we have done. It's not by my great talents or ability. I'm blessed. I'm just blessed. God's blessed me. He put the blessing on me, and supernatural things have happened to me when the blessing is on me. Okay? He had blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. I'm, I'm not down. Right? We're not getting down we're up we're not down no we're blessed in heavenly places Amen. heavenly places seated with Christ Jesus look at verse 4 accordingly as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy yeah. what have you been chosen to be holy not sinful holy have that image of yourself I am chosen for holiness I've chosen for righteousness I have been chosen not to sin. I have been separated unto God, sanctified unto his purposes and his calling. That is my chosenness that God has chosen me with, and I am to be holy. Therefore, my holiness is not because I don't want you to see how I may or may not live. It's not because I don't want to offend someone or hurt someone, although I wouldn't. It's not that at all. My holiness is based on living a holy life because I am holy, And that's what God says I am, and that's what I've chosen to be. And and, and I am to be holy. Years ago, I was an accountant. I was hired as an accountant. It was my job then to count money, basically what accountants do. And then put it down with reports and everything else and statements and P&L statements and balance sheets and net worth statements and statements of, you know, cash flow and all this kind of stuff I did. That's my job. I I, I paid to do it. That's what I am, where I was, and that's what I did. Well, now I realize I am holy. It's part of who I am to walk right. Not to be involved and listen to people tell filthy and dirty jokes. Not to have my eyes looking at something that we ain't supposed to be looking at. My hands doing what they're not supposed to be doing. Feet walking where they're not supposed to be walking. Mouth saying what it's not supposed to be saying. Ears listening to what they're not supposed to be hearing. All those kind of things. No, I'm called to be holy. Somebody say, I am, I am blessed, blessed. And, I'm and I'm holy. Keep saying that. Keep saying that because that's what he says about you. That way when you can get to a place of, of, you know, opportunity to sin, well, I can't do that. I'm holy. Amen. I'm not going to do that. I'm holy. Amen. Mm, I'm not going to do that. I'm holy. Notice that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's the way God sees me. Holy without blame. Verse 5, having predestined us. The plan's already there. Unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, I live my life according to the good pleasure of His will. It is God's will that we live by. What is our will? Well, the more you live for Him, more to be just like His. But if my will happen to separate from His, or I got a little confrontation going on in my mind, my mind's got to lose. Leon's got to lose, and Jesus has to win. As what John the Baptist said, He must increase, I must decrease. The less of me you see, the better. Amen? Amen? Amen. So you smile when I said that. I don't know what that's about. But anyway. Hmm. Verse 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. I am accepted. Well, I am holy. Well, I am blessed. All these things. I'm accepted. In whom we have redemption. What does that mean redemption? I've been bought back. The devil used to own me. And the devil used to own you. And the devil owned you, as they used to say, lock, stock, and barrel. Um, he told you when to get up in the morning. When they used to you know, sing those songs and we make those chants in our church, who woke you up this morning? You said the devil. <laughs> who started you on your way? Demons. Because you was owned. You was owned by the devil. Controlled by him. But you've been redeemed, purchased, bought back from the devil. The devil has, Jesus said like, the devil has nothing in me. I don't want to hear about the devil, see about the devil, talk about the devil. Amen. You know, he just, he just, you know, he's irrelevant. Amen. Now, is it real? course. I have to understand that. But as far as my thinking and my goal is, the devil is irrelevant. Amen. Praise God. Gone. No good. And you have to get to that place in your life to accept what God has done for you. Notice, we have been redeemed I have a wonderful friend in Colorado, and uh, he's a, of, of a, a different kind of a Christian, but of a sort of a high church Christian, and he's constantly posting these little five-line sayings that they confess in their church. And You know, God, you are faithful. We are full of doubt. God, you are loving. Hatred fills our lives. And they'll say things like that, and finally say, Oh, God, teach us, Lord, to live like you. And I say, Well, if I was like that at one time... Okay, but now that I've asked God to teach me, I'm not going to keep on praying that. If God, you are faithful, I'm not going to say I'm full of doubt. I'm saying, say, God, I'm faithful. And at least I'm going to say, God, I believe. You know, help my unbelief, but I'm believing. That's what I'm saying. I'm believing. And so you have to accept yourself as that. First, then it lives out in your life. So, so he says, in whom we have been redeemed, redemption through the blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace. It's unmerited favor. God did it for us. I didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. wasn't it by works of our righteousness, but according to his grace, he has saved us. And it's because of that, we've got forgiveness of sin, and we've been redeemed. Another song. I've been redeemed, right? Amen. By blood divine. Not by me, you, or our blood, but by, by blood divine. Hallelujah. Jesus is mine. I've been redeemed. Redemption is sweet. God has made it for us, yes. given us exactly what we need of in this life. And we can be that. We can walk that way. Yes. You can stay free. You know, you know, keep your mind right. Keep that image in front of you, whatever is going on, and believe the right thing. You can stay free. You don't have to be up and down. That means up. Say amen. amen. Say, I'm staying there. Amen. I'm up and I'm staying there. I'm up now standing there. Stand up with me this morning. Let's go before. Him. Amen. Amen. Now everybody say I'm up. I'm up. See now you were moved by what you saw, wasn't you? Because you are up, right? God Almighty, we give you praise. We give you glory. Father, we bless you in this house this day. We love you, O Lord God, and we bless you in the Lord. God, you are worthy of all praise. You are worthy of all glory, and we honor you. We thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Lord God, you are our life. You are everything to us, oh Lord, and we bless you. We thank you. We thank you. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise, Almighty God. If you're in the house today and you need special prayer, I'd be delighted to pray with you. If you'd like to come forward, we've sort of done things a little bit differently with the gloves and stuff that you see since the last few months. But uh, I'm okay if if it's something that's okay with you, that'd be okay with me. Is what I'm trying to say to you. But if you need hands laid on you or you need to uh, have prayer this morning, I'd certainly be uh, grateful and willing to pray with you today. Anybody in the house, if you would, and if you're comfortable where you're at that's okay too but but any direction today if you need in the house I'm um, delighted to pray anywhere in the house today in Jesus, name. In Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name Jesus name. all right stretch your hands toward heaven let's pray together so dear father we come to you in Jesus name we thank you Lord for your power and your ability that is within us thank you Lord for the cleansing power of the precious blood of Jesus thank you Lord for the power you give us that we might walk in our liberty and our freedom every day of our life. We are free, and we give you praise and thanksgiving for it. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. And somebody shout real loud, hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless. God bless. Amen.